Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. Hi, everyone. On this episode of the podcast, I catch up with renowned Victorian handler Peter Riley, who gives a great insight into what life is like at Team Britain and also his previous experience with Jeff Britton and Angela Langdon and the Daly family. We had a chat about what it was like working with some of Australia's greatest ever greyhounds, including the legendary Fanna Bale, and some helpful tips for anybody looking to pick up the lead and collar and become a handler. I hope you enjoy this episode. You know, there's there's many things I want to ask you, but I think we'll wind back to Thursday and, and we'll work our way backwards. And, you know, I was chatting to Martina about the race yesterday in, in quite a messy affair. I mean, you must have been, you know, super proud of your two chases for, um you know, Cornelling such a, you know, launcher pads just become such a, you know, a yearned after race. And, yeah, it must have been a big thrill. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a race that the people target their good dogs at these days you you hear about a good one coming along and one of the first things a lot of people say well once they get to four or five stakes up as uh wins they'll say oh right we'll put it away now for the launching pad so yeah uh, i think that's pretty much what michael ivers did with uh, uh these two boys sort of you know we got something special here we'll send them down and uh, line them up for the launching pad yep what did you think about you know how it was in running i mean the weather looked horrible and yeah where did you think I mean, obviously, other than the winning post, at any stage, did you think, oh, geez, it's not looking real good here? Uh, basically, from when the lids went up, <laughs> I thought we were in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, now that I've seen a replay, I actually think the five slipped on the mat when it came out, so that's probably cost him uh, a bit of distance. And then uh, coming along the back straight there, I saw they make up a bit of ground. I'm thinking we might run a place here. And, we'll, and even they'll, they'll almost neck and neck coming up coming up about fifth or sixth. Yep. And then there was a, uh, they sort of bunched up a bit at the front and you could just see all of a sudden they were doing two to their one and they were just flying home. So you know, we knew how strong they were. I suppose most people have seen them recently. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just to run away at the end there was awesome. Yep. And, um, you know, they're by Goodsey who, you know, doesn't have a lot of pups around now, but um, I guess that's a good thing about, you know, some of these more experienced breeders, you know, they're not afraid to sort of use size that, you know, maybe haven't been used for a while or sort of a bit lesser known. Yeah, well, actually, uh, today I was reading the article on Michael Ives on why he went to Goodsey and it was good thinking that he had so much wheel of blood in his line already he had to go totally away from it and i reckon there was something similar when they bred brett lee they were looking for a total outcross and went to gun velocity and look what that produced so i'm not saying that we've got a brett lee in here but we've got a very handy one yep yep any um any plans for both of them in particular now uh well as you we just discussed earlier i'm away from base at the moment so i'm not really sure what's going on but um uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Trappeteers get stepped up a, a bit in distance because he seems to be the stronger of the two at the end of a race, even though they can both finish it pretty well. Yep. Uh, Trooper at the end of the run, you, you just watch him walk back and he's exhausted. He's given his all, but he recovers really, really well. Right by the time Thursday night, by the time we're ready to lock him up for his swab, he, he was bouncing. So, yeah. uh, as Rob said in an interview, interview the other day, um, there's one way to find out if they can run it, and we'll find out. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind back to the start. Tell me about your first experience in greyhound racing. How did you get involved in the industry? 
I've told a few people this story. There was a bunch of mates and me where we were in uh, uh, horses. Yeah. And we, we had a horse with a trainer and um, not the trainer's fault, but the horse won. By the time the horse had won 28000 in prize money, we hadn't seen a cent. <laughs> so uh, the syndicate manager ended up getting disqualified by uh, Racing Victoria for six months. Oh, and we just said, yeah. And we said, right, we've had enough of this. And one of the bugs piped up, well, mate of mine's just spread a litter. Do you want to get a greyhound? I said, yeah, no worries. And, of course, me being the expert I was, knew nothing about grants. I said, if it's no good, we can breed from her, which is exactly – which is, and she was no good. She had um, uh, 20 starts, her a second and a third. Yep. But she had a litter sister who won at Sandown nine or ten times. So we bred from her. We went to one of the most unfashionable sides you could see, and she threw a city winner. Oh, so of course she from, did. From that, from that moment, I was hooked. Yep, yep, nice. And again, that just goes back to, you know, every time I've, you know, interviewed the likes of, of Dave Brush and that, you know, people shouldn't be scared to, to try something different, you know. I think people get a bit frightened to sort of, you know, step outside the box and that. But, you know, if you hadn't have done that, you would have never got that dog. So, mm, no, no, yeah. it's a, a, one of the main considerations these days, and I can see why is that the, they want the pups to be commercial. Yeah. You know, if, if, you know, with the, the costs that are involved in rearing pups these days and getting them to the track, you know, if you go go, go to a, a side that's popular, as they say, yeah. uh, then it makes it easier to sell them. But, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, I can remember, I'm, I'm rambling a bit here, but when I dropped Fanna Bale off when she was retired and uh, Paul Wheeler picked her up and I said, what sort of sigh are you looking forward to do with her? And he said, he said the main thing I do is I look, what do I need to improve in the brood, bitch? Yep. And he said, the only thing she needs is a bit of early pace. So he said, that's what I look at. And I think that might be a good way to look at it. You know, if you can yeah. work out what a sigh is going to do for your broody or go that way. Yeah. Unless, unless you have to go down the commercial path to cover costs. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that's um, no, that's a good point. And something you know, Jen obviously reiterated a lot when um, yeah, you know, when I spoke to to her about it and, and that sort of thing. So tell me, how did you become involved with Rob Britton? Um, uh, I worked for the railways eighteen and a half years. Uh, took a break. Uh, at this, this was the time I got involved in greyhounds. So basically, it just um. We had a we had a, a dog with Tina Woman, and she said, "Well, we'll get your catcher's license, and you can catch the dog." So it built up from there, and uh, eventually, I was uh, full time in the industry. Yep. Uh, I, I worked for the dailies for two and a half years, and then uh, up the back of Jeff and Angel's place, there was a pre trainer called Steve Mirlak, and I went and worked for him, and it was basically part time for him, Jeff and Robbie at the same time. I probably spent ninety percent of my time with the breakers yep. but if Rob or Jeff needed me to go to the track I went to the track for them and then Robbie proposed that I go work for him full time this was about 15 years ago and I accepted and the rest is history as they say yeah nice what um you know obviously you know those the Britons and um you know Jeff and Angela and obviously the dailies you know a similar operations to Rob you know a lot of dogs sort of coming through and that sort of thing but are they pretty similar in how they operate or are they very different did you find um the dailies and Rob are pretty much the same, uh, uh, sort of work the dogs in work runs, whereas uh, Jeff's got like a 400-metre straight track. He'll slip them up the track one day and then they go on a walking machine the next. So yeah, okay. It's, yeah. Ju it's just it, basically whatever works with, it, with with the dogs you've got. So yep. 
you know, there's that many different methods and they all work. You see people who walk dogs and win races. You see people who work them once a day, twice a day, win races. So you just get the dogs fit, happy, healthy. Doesn't doesn't really seem to matter how you do it, but yep. you get the dogs right and they'll win for you. Yep. Now, I've, I've got Rob's, uh, you know, his top 50 greyhounds up here, and, I mean, we'd be here all night if we went through each one of them. And, you know, it's probably a hard question for you to answer. There'd be a heap that you could name. But is there any sort of, you know, a couple in particular that stick out to yourself, you know, that obviously, you know, you've been involved with and handled them and, and see them succeed yep. that are special to you? Uh, well, the obvious one's Phantom Ale. Yep. Nine group wins, group wins over five, six, and seven hundred, and, and she was a real character. And uh, we've got a little sister on the property, her elder bale, and she's a real character. She just wanders around wherever she wants. So, <laughs> despite the fact she only she only had a few starts for us before she went and went to Corey Grenfell when she was up for sale as a broody Rob bought her back. So, yep. she's one of my favourites, and um, <laughs> uh. You know, uh, above all, was something special. Yeah. You know, uh, if you ever get a chance to chat with Merv Patching and listen to the story of how he decided in 20 years, in 20 years' time, he was going to breed a champion. And um, that's how we got Clone Your Own and then above all. Yeah, and above yeah. all was, was a super, super, super dog. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, Space Star, uh, a star that chased... Chases as hard as anything. He 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 was a really good one. Uh, Bruce Tycoon. He was just uh, the Iron Dog. He just went round every week and raced till he was nearly five year old. And like he he was breaking thirty at uh, the Meadows at uh, four and a half years of age. So he was yeah. just like a superstar. So yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, basically, briefly, that's that's a few. But yeah, like you say, there's that many there. I mean. If it, we had 10 hours, we could probably have a really good chat about them, but um, I think they might be a bit boring for other people. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Probably, um, you know, a, a greyhound that just captivated everyone, obviously Tornado Tears. He, he just, for some reason, dogs just obviously, you know, they just start to have this cult following and he's just seemed to get bigger and bigger you know, the older he got and, yeah, like what was it like for you, obviously, you know, Fannabelle and that, did you feel, you know, the pressure or nerves or anything when you stepped out in those big races and knew that sort of everyone was looking at you and your dog? I used to and then uh, one day uh, a friend of mine who was unfortunately passed on now, Penny Island, sent me a photo of uh, me standing in a in a parade yard with Fannabelle and I had this look of... Oh, I don't know really how to describe it. I wasn't very happy from the expression that was on my face, and she said, "Sort of, what's going on here?" And I, and I said, "I was feeling quite calm and relaxed, actually." And then it sort of realised that you know, uh, dogs like this don't come along very often, so enjoy every minute of it. And I think I lightened up a bit after that in my facial expression, at least, even though I was, I was still feeling pretty good. And um, yeah, I mean, special dogs are rare. And I've been fortunate enough to be on the uh, other end of the lead of a few, and uh, it's just been an absolute joy to handle them and uh, be on the journey that they've taken us on. Any particular race that sticks out to you as being um, being one of your favourites? Fanabelle, uh, when she won the Australian Cup, yep. if you watch the head-on, uh, she caused all the trouble, but she was smashing to get to the rail and um, uh, just to watch her to determined, she was so determined to win, that was a, 
Oh, she was the best race dog I've ever seen because yep. all she wanted to do was win. It didn't matter if it was quick or slow, but, uh, yeah, the determination of her to overcome trouble early and then trouble in the back straight in a, a race where basically, you know, like the cream rise to the top, you, you're up, you're racing against the best that there is and to win. And, like, it's, it's one of the uh, races that you really, when you first get involved in Greyhounds, there's a few you think you'd like to win. It's like uh, Melbourne Cup, Easter Egg, Australian Cup. You know, they're the sort of the big three. Yeah. And that was the first time I handled a, a winner in one of those big three. Yeah, nice, nice. Were you, um, were you nervous going into that with her or, like, how did you feel? Uh, no nerves, but the only problem was that she had box eight and, you know, being a mad railer. So basically I sort of resigned to the fact that we are going to need a lot of luck to yep. win it. Yep. And we got it. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, that's greyhound racing, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Take the luck when you can get it. Um, yep. the relationship with Rob, what, um, I mean, again, we could probably sit here for hours and talk about, you know, what he's, uh, what he's taught you, but is there anything sort of in particular that, you know, he's taught you over the years that's really stuck with you? Well, like I say, most trainers train the same way, but if you're able to check your own dog and and, and find the little niggles before they come big niggles, that's so, it's so important. I can't check a dog to save my life. I've, I've had <laughs> someone go over the dog for me and said, it's injured here, and I've gone over it and said, I can't find it. I just I haven't got the touch or whatever it is. But, yep. um, yeah, it's just if you can find little niggles before they become big niggles, then yeah, yeah, that's you, you. You're one foot in front of everyone else, virtually. Yep, I think those videos that Rob did with GRV about him, you know, just doing a ba- even a basic check and that sort of thing, like yep. you just look and go, like you know, I watch them all the time, and you know, I'm a bit like mm. you, I I wouldn't have a clue what to do, but um, you know, it's yeah, it's just amazing, you know, what he can do with a dog, how he knows how the dog's feeling, mm. and and that sort of thing, and I I'm guessing you know you guys obviously put a lot into um into diet and feeding them right and that sort of thing as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, the the diet's very very much set out, and uh, it's it's all quality food and. Uh, and we're always looking for uh, different sources for it, just in case one source dries up. So yeah, yeah, good sort of point. you got you got to have backup pan, backup plans, and things like that. Yep. Do you guys use a lot of um, you know, a lot of added products like calcium and that sort of thing? Because I get a lot of questions. Obviously, I don't train, but I get a lot of questions from people yeah. saying, "Should I use this? Should I use this? How do you guys sort of approach it?" Um, well, as get fed roux, uh, minced chicken frames, bread, and kibble. Yep. And we put in uh, a powder called Livermol, which helps with oh, the liver. Yep, yep. A uh, little, little bit of calcium, and that, that's that's basically it. Yep, yep. Because some, um, you know, like I said to people, don't try and do it. You know, don't do an overkill and and put too much in, and then you know you can obviously you know make the dog go the other way, make them feel off mm. rather than than good. So. Yeah, and we also have a veggie soup in there, so uh, but they get, they get that mixed in with their meals every day. Yeah, nice. They eat better than what I do. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's up? Like, obviously, you know, like you just said, you've, you know, been behind the boxes and, and handled some of the, the best dogs we've ever seen. What are sort of your goals, you know, for obviously going forward? Is there a race, you know, you'd love to be a part of as a handler or, or that sort of thing? What do you want to achieve? I've basically handled in all the races I want to and I've handled win- winners of all of them bar a couple. I mean, I haven't handled a winner of an Easter egg or a Melbourne Cup. That'd be nice, but yep. um, there's only one of them a year <laughs> and there's lots of people trying to win them. So yep. I've 
I mean, I've been absolutely blessed. The number of uh, decent dogs I've handled, the number of group races I've handled in. Um, like I see some, you know, the little black guard, backyard people go go around and they win a tier three and they're happy. Well, and like I've raced dogs in tier threes and handled them in tier threes, and I've been happy at the end too. I'm just yep. happy for the dogs. The, the dogs make my life happy. I like to try and make their life happy. Yep. Now I asked Martina this question yesterday about handling um, difficult dogs and box dogs, and obviously, you know, I presume you've seen um, many a scenario where dogs um, are a bit difficult to handle. So, you know, for any aspiring handlers out there, especially I'm, I'm thinking more the the younger ones who want to get into it, how do you approach a dog that's a bit difficult to box? Um, it's nice if you know beforehand. Yep. <laughs> and uh, if, if they're going, if they're going to play up, uh, basically it's just um, if they play up too bad, I just sort of grab them around the tail at the end, hand under the chest, lift them up, and put them in. Yep. And then as I'm sliding the door down, holding on at the at the rear so that they don't uh, back out. Yep. But um, the the hard ones are the ones that they should put them in. They splay their legs out. Right. Okay. And uh, they can be, you just sort of got to ease one side in than the other. But, um, yeah, it's basically, it's just, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they don't play up. Yep. Is there anything, you know, if you do get a, a dog that's a bit like that, do yourself and Rob do anything with them at home to try and settle them down? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we've got a, a, a set of two dog starting boxes and we'll regularly, like when we're bracking pups in, one of the first things I'll do is I'll we'll walk them through the boxes and or yeah, I mean we've even fed dogs in boxes yeah just to try and get get them to be happy to be in there yep and uh, but yeah as you say you just walk them through a couple of times or maybe even jump them out onto a drag lure yep or just let them play 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 around them for a while as long yep. as they get used to what what goes on yep I think that's a good point because you know you see you know when you think about it if you're looking at it from your perspective you're thinking right here's a pup going into a very <laughs> confined space and you know there may be dogs noisy next to them you know I say to people looking at it from their perspective it would be very intimidating you know especially their first few times anyway yeah absolutely and uh, I remember one day I was trialing and uh, the great Phil Pryor was trialing and I watched him put his dog in and then he reached over and he closed the dog the the door at the back of the next one and the door at the back of the other one and he just said yeah well so it's just like a race so you know there's things like that that, that you know you pick up on and you know try you got to try and make a trial as much like a, a race as possible or even just you know getting them used to everything that goes on Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast but of Greyhound Racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at the Greyhound Girl on Facebook.